0: Today's reading is from John 3, verses 1 to 8. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless you were with him. Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, how can anyone be born again if he, when he's old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I, told you, um, that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. These are the words of the Lord.
1: morning my name is uh, kevin and um, for those of you who don't know me i work here at uh, grace valley kind of a unique role um, actually leading a group of people from inside this church and from other churches other other christians in starting a new church starting a new church in saint george which is a couple minutes north of brantford and so we're starting a new church in saint george um and One of the things we've been asking ourselves as we do this is why do we want to do this? What is the point? What is the point of starting a new church in a new place? Is it just self-serving? Is it just because we don't want to drive 30 minutes into Dundas every Sunday because we really like Grace Valley? We ultimately believe that we are called to offer something to the people in St. George, in our community... That they don't have yet, something that's more than a sense of community or neighborliness or niceness or meeting material needs. If we wanted to do those things, then we should have just set up a not-for-profit, or maybe just committed ourselves to being better neighbors. The uni- what the, un- what a un- the unique thing wow a unique thing that a church can bring to a community is a unique message and and thankfully we're not the only church in that community and so there's others that are with us bringing this unique message And, and the message that we're bringing is called the gospel jesus christ lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you should have died that's the message that we are bringing and, and the Bible is clear that with this message comes transformation. We're, we're seeking for people, for ourselves and for others in St. George and here in Dundas, this church, we're seeking that people see and feel and experience heart transformation. But the Bible is also clear that that transformation is an act of God. It can only come from God. And so so how does this work? Ephesians 2 the apostle Paul says God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And so how does someone go from dead to alive? And that's the question that we are going to focus on this morning. In our passage Jesus says You must be born again. You must be born again. And so, we're going to look at what does it mean to be born again? And we'll look at it in four under four topics. We're going to look at um, what it doesn't mean. So, what it isn't. We're going to look at what it does mean, what it is, what it is to be born again. And then we're going to look at the necessity of rebirth. And then we're going to look at the evidence. So, what it is? What it isn't? The necessity, and then the evidence. So, what it isn't. In our passage, we have this man named Nicodemus, and he, he approaches Jesus at night, um, presumably to ask Jesus some questions. Um, maybe who he is, who does he think he is? And so he approaches Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we, we know, um, maybe he says we, maybe he's, uh, he's representing some of the other people that are like him, and he says, we know that you are a good teacher. And we know that you come from God because you've performed these miraculous signs. And Jesus kind of is not, doesn't seem to be very pleasant with him and just says, "You, I'll tell you, you must be born again to see the kingdom. Nicodemus just said, hey, we, we see that you're a good teacher. We see that, um, that you're from God. Um, He seemed to be trying to open up a pleasant conversation, and Jesus kind of just cuts right through the pleasantries and says, you must be born again to even see the kingdom. And as the course of this conversation goes on, we get the sense that Jesus is saying, one of the things Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that you are not born again. Whoever you are, whatever you're about, you're not born again currently, And so let's take a closer look at who Nicodemus is in order to see what being born again isn't. Verse 1 says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he was a Pharisee, and he was a member of this ruling council. And that ruling council's name is the Sanhedrin. At this time, Israel was under Roman occupation, and so the, the Sanhedrin was a, was a group of mainly priests and religious leaders, religious teachers, who kind of took care of the affairs, the Jewish affairs, under Roman rule. A lot of it was obviously religious. There were, it was made up of priests and religious leaders. And so Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee, Um, Not just a, 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 or sorry, I gotta explain what a Pharisee is. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee, uh, Pharisees were known for their very, very strict adherence to the law of God and more. And so they taught this very strict piety. So in order for you to be right with God, to come near to God, you had to live a, a, righteous life. You had to be right in the way that you lived. And he wasn't just a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Pharisees. And so we have this man, Nicodemus, who, who's presumably one of the most righteous men in Israel. He wasn't just, he wasn't just righteous. He taught other people how to become righteous so much so that he was part of this Sanhedrin. And we have this ultra-religious man, and he comes to Jesus and he says, we know you are a teacher and that you come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Because of who Nicodemus is, we can see that being born again is not a result of morality. It's not a result of being righteous. Being born again is also not a birthright. It doesn't result in being in the right family. Nicodemus was in, he he was a leader of Israel, This, this grand tribe, this grand family of God. And Commentator uh, Don Carson says that the, the predominant religious thought at this time in Jesus' day, it affirmed that all Jews would be admitted to the kingdom apart from those accused of deliberate apostasy and those who were really wicked. But here Jesus is telling Nicodemus, who, who's a, um, a conscientious member of society, He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the the leader, the religious leaders of the day. He was a professional scripture teacher. He knew God's word like the back of his hand. And Jesus is saying he cannot enter the kingdom unless he's born again. And Nicodemus also recognizes that Jesus in some way is connected to God. He says we, we see we know that you are from God because of these signs and wonders that you're performing. And so we can know that being born again results in something more than just an acknowledgement that Jesus is a good teacher, that Jesus comes from God, and that Jesus and that Jesus works miracles. And this reminds me of a passage in James chapter two where the apostle James says this. He says, you believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And so acknowledgement that there's one God and that Jesus is connected to that one God is not a result of being born again. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be born again? What we see from this discourse is that new birth is first, an act of God, and second, it results in a new life. So first, it's an act of God, and second, it results in a new life. New birth is an act of God. Jesus says that in order to even see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And and Nicodemus, his, his initial response after that, he says, how can I be born even if I'm old? He says, "How can I, should I enter my mother's womb and then get reborn again? He's looking at it physically. But Jesus responds and says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit jesus is saying that rebirth being born again is spiritual he says we must be born of water and the spirit what does it mean to be born of water and the spirit i think a lot of us um, maybe because we're maybe because we're sitting in a church uh, maybe because we're familiar with church and what happens in church, we might think, oh, being born of the water and the Spirit, that means baptism. Because there's water in baptism. And so, um, and so maybe it means that baptism means that when you're baptized, that's when you're reborn. That's what Jesus is talking about. But Nicodemus would probably not have been thinking this. Baptism was not a, a, a very prevalent thing in his time other than um, John the Baptist. But um, when Nicodemus looks at the Old Testament scriptures, the mention of baptism is not really there. And so he's probably not thinking this way. And so what does he mean by being born of water in the Spirit? If we look at this passage uh, a little bit further on, Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 7, you should not be surprised when I say You must be born again. He says, you should not be surprised, kind of pointing straight at Nicodemus. And then later in um, verse 10, Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? So Jesus is, is pointing out to Nicodemus, saying, you know these scriptures, you know the Old Testament scriptures, and yet you do not understand what I mean by saying you must be born of the water, of water and the Spirit. And so when we look at the Old Testament Scriptures and we look at mention of water, mention of the Spirit, and the, uh, the idea or the topic of new birth or, um, or transformation, then we can find that there's a passage in Ezekiel 36 that's very important in um, our understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. So I'm going to read Ezekiel 36, verse 24 to 28. This is God saying, talking about a future time. God says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Here in this passage, God is promising a future time where he will gather his people. He will sprinkle water on them, and he will cleanse them from their sin and impurity. And then he will take them, and he will rip out their hearts of stone, and he will place a new heart, a beating heart, a flesh heart back in them, and his spirit will take up residence in their heart. And his spirit will move them from inside to follow his commands and to keep his law. And this is a clear picture of what it means to be regenerated, what it means to be reborn. And so rebirth is an act of God. Notice that God says, "I will gather, I will clean you with water, I will tear your heart, your old heart out, and I will give you a new one. I will put my Spirit in you." Rebirth is solely and completely an act of God. It's not. It's not like that, that um, snow tunnel that you and I build. We make a a big pile of snow, I start digging on one side, you start digging on the other, we meet in the middle, and we did it. It's solely and completely an act of God alone. So new birth is an act of God alone, and it also results in a new life. It results in a new life. Jesus says that unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And for Nicodemus, that word kingdom would would have been synonymous with a future eternal life that is promised. But the Bible is clear that Jesus' own life and ministry inaugurated this future kingdom. And so what Jesus is saying is that there's a present reality to that future kingdom that has come. It It has come now. I am the king. What makes a kingdom a kingdom is a king, that it has a king, that it has a ruler. Seeing the kingdom means that you see and you know the king. You recognize that Jesus is king of everything, and everyone is under his rule and reign. So a real result of being born again is that you can see You see with new eyes. You are given a new spiritual life, spiritual eyes that you didn't have before. You respond to ways, to things in ways that you you couldn't respond to before. You you have the ability to, to see the kingdom, to recognize that Jesus is more than just a great teacher, that he didn't just come from God, that he is God. And more than that, that that he's the God-man who came to earth. He lived a life of perfect obedience to God and earned righteousness with his life. And that righteousness that he earned, he did not keep for himself. But he went to the cross and he died so that he could hand the righteousness that he earned off to you. He paid the ultimate price so that those who believe in him are free. Free to love God, free to live for him, free to take risks for his glory. And so when you're born again, you you see the beauty of Christ and you respond to that gospel in faith. Faith comes after rebirth. When you are reborn, you are are able then to respond to the gospel. You are able to see clearly that this king is not just some God, some king out there, but he is the king who rules and reigns over your heart. And you are able to then rest and rely upon his life for you and his death for you for your salvation. You're able to see and enter the kingdom of God. That future reality becomes your real present reality. New birth is also necessary. Being born again is necessary. Jesus says that you must be born again. You must be born again. And I, I think it's it's really interesting that every v- virtually every Christian tradition out there believes in the new birth. One of the things, one of the knocks on Christianity is that um, we're just we're so divided. We got Catholics and Orthodox and Protestants, and then well, Protestants, and then there's denominations, right? And then there's we have Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopal. We're we're so divided. But what's unique is that across the spectrum, every one of these traditions believes that you must experience new birth. It might not be, the the, the details might not be the same, but every every, um, tradition believes that you must experience rebirth. Being born again is necessary. It's necessary because nothing else works. There's no other way to earn salvation. There's no other way that we can justify ourselves before a holy God. Presumably, Nicodemus was one of the most righteous men in the land. He was a religious leader. But, and he wasn't just righteous, he taught other people how to be righteous. He was probably wealthy as well. He was highly educated, highly regarded, a highly regarded wealthy member of society. The the, the kind of person that we look at and go, man, what else is there for them? What else do they need? They've achieved success on all these levels. And Jesus says to him, you say that you can see me but you can't. You need new eyes. You need to be reborn. Without being born again, you have nothing of eternal significance. You might have all these things in this life, but you will have nothing to show for it when it really matters. At the end of time, your hands will be empty, and you'll be wondering, What all that prestige, what all that wealth, what all that righteousness was for. New birth is necessary for you too. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You need God to cleanse you with water to cleanse you of your sin. You need him to tear out your old heart, your heart of stone, and give you a new heart. And you need him desperately to move in and by his spirit live in your heart. We, so often, we function like we deserve or we can earn our own salvation or at least get close enough God, that he can't say no. We, we've, we've never purposefully wronged anyone. We've, maybe you've never committed adultery. You've never stolen. You, you try to be nice to everyone. Hey, your neighbors respect you. You're, you're, you're respected. You're a, respected, a respectable citizen in, in your neighborhood and in your town. And look, you, you, even, you even go to a missional church that loves its neighborhood, that loves its community, and serves its community. God can't say no to me, right? In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You must be born again. If you are playing or if you are in the business of acquisition, acquiring righteousness for your own salvation, you're in the wrong business. Our God is in the business of heart transplantation and transformation. And this leads us to the question of evidence. How do you know If you've been born again or not and if not how do you get it if it's an act of God how do you get born again we'll start with the first question how do how do we know if we are born again I think it's helpful to look at our natural birth how do you know if you were born we we were all born We were all born, but none of us, I'm guessing, none of us remember that we were all born. But we are alive. We respond to prompts. Proof that we were born is that we are alive. And it's similar with new birth. The evidence of your new birth is that you are alive and growing spiritually. That you have a spiritual life. We might not all remember being born again, but we can all assess if we have been born again. If you are born again, you can see and feel with with spiritual eyes and a new heart Jesus says that you can see the kingdom. You can respond to the call of the gospel because you have a spiritual life within you. A born-again person responds to the gospel with faith, relying and resting upon Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for your salvation. You look to Jesus as your substitute, He he lived his life in your place and he took your place on the cross and he suffered brutal death for your sin. And then he rose from the dead to guarantee your final resurrection. When you are reborn, this is your reality. You live with this certain hope, this resurrection hope a born-again person also experiences change, heart change. Because God's Spirit lives in your heart, because you've been given a new heart, you begin to change from the inside out. Your your affections change in two ways. First, as a response to the gospel, your affection for God swells, it grows. And second, your affection for other people begins to grow and swell. You will love God and your neighbor more and more. The gospel tells you that your heart is more corrupt and sinful than you ever dare imagine. And so you might, and you will experience that, and you will feel the depths of sin. This is the reason we need to be reborn. But the gospel also tells us that you are loved by God more than you could ever dare imagine. The love that caused him to come from heaven to earth, to live for you, to die for you, to rise for you, that love now affects you. You want it. You feel it. You're warmed by it. I know that um, some of you, some of us, might be in a, a dry season of our faith, dry season in our spiritual life. And I, and I want to be aware of that. And, and maybe it feels as though you're, you're hanging on to the promises of God by your fingernails. Hear this good news for you. Your new birth, your rebirth, is not, will not, and will never be dependent on your ability, your skill, to work through the trials of life. Rebirth is an act of God. And so, that means you might be feeling like you're, you're, you can only hang on by your fingernails. But know that God's grip is locked tight on you. And so you can let go. Let go and fall into the loving arms of the Father who loved you first. In your trials, let him in. Let him renovate the deepest longings of your heart. Allow his love for you to shape you and even change the way that you respond to the trials that you're in now. And so what if, what if I'm here and I'm, I'm not born again? Since it's an act of God, how can I get it? Can I get it? Maybe you're, maybe you're realizing, maybe you've been in church your, your whole life and you're, and you're beginning to realize right now I don't know if I have that. Or maybe you're new here. You've been coming for a couple months, or you just walked in the door today, and you hear this message, and you're asking, how do I get that? Well, the question that I want to ask you is, are you feeling stirred? Are you feeling stirred? Is your heart feeling stirred? When we talk about the kind of love that God has for us, the the kind of love that we can can never mine to the bottom of, do you crave that? Do you desire for a relationship with Jesus, a a feeling like this this can't be all there is in life? My, My relationships, my achievements, my family, my career, they're just not fulfilling me the way that they're, they're promised to have. I've experienced all these things, and it's not enough. My guess is that if you're asking this question, if you're feeling those things, I just want you to consider looking at the circumstance you're in right now. We believe that God acts first in our hearts. We also believe that God is sovereign over everything and nothing happens that wasn't meant to happen. And so whatever the circumstance, for whatever reason, you're here today. For, for whatever reason, you've been coming for a little while. You've been kicking the tires of Christianity, wondering if this is something that's for you. Jesus is on the hunt for your heart. The way that you know that you've been reborn is that you're able to see with new eyes that Jesus is Lord, that he's not just the king of everything out there, but he's the king of your heart. And so turn to Jesus in prayer. Turn from the direction that you are headed in life and fix your new eyes on Christ. And run into his open arms, confessing him that he is Lord, and he is Lord of your heart. I find Nicodemus' own story to, to be comforting because John 3 is not the last interaction that he has with Jesus It seems that God may have used this interaction to draw Nicodemus in as well. Later in John 10, the Sanhedrin, they they try to arrest Jesus, and and they fail. And then Nicodemus stands up in front of them and, and defends Jesus, and he says, I think that maybe we should listen to what he has to say. And he gets scoffed at, and at least there, Nicodemus was sympathetic to Jesus. And then later, in John chapter 19, after Jesus was crucified, there's, there's two men that take his body and bury him. And one of them is Joseph of Arimathea, and the other one is Nicodemus. And it says this is the same Nicodemus that came to Jesus that night and talked about rebirth. And so at least Nicodemus had a lot of respect for Jesus. He wanted to bury his body. And so he was there the night that Jesus died. So presumably, he wouldn't have gone far in the next three days. And so we can speculate that when the reports were coming in that Jesus had risen from the dead, imagine being Nicodemus. The first time he met jesus he had this conversation about about new birth being made alive and then later he he carried this dead weight body into a tomb and he wrapped it up got it ready for burial and now three days later this man who was confirmed dead with Nicodemus' own senses, his own sense of, sense of sight, he, he touched that body and it did not respond. He sensed its coldness. I'm sure he smelt it. That man who was dead, confirmed dead, is now alive. And this is the power that Nicodemus may have experienced firsthand and it is the resurrection power that we experience in the new birth. And so what are we bringing? What are we bringing to St. George? What are we bringing to Dundas? What are we bringing to the world? What are we bringing to the next place that we plant a church? We are bringing the gospel of new and resurrected life. And we are eagerly anticipating God to act in our hearts and in the hearts of our neighbors because he acts first. And he's done it for for us. And he'll do it again. Let's pray. Father, um, new birth is a mystery. It's a, it's a mysterious and miraculous work that you do in our hearts. Lord, you take us from dead and you make us alive. Lord, help us to see with spiritual eyes the kingdom. Lord, draw us near to the King of this kingdom. Lord, change us from the inside out. That as we reflect upon your incredible love for us that's displayed on the cross, Lord, would we be moved to draw nearer and nearer to you and to love others, love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.